Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Here we are at the apex of Epiphany, the summit of the season. We began the season surrounded by the crowds of hundreds in the valley of the Jordan with the cool water flowing over our feet. There, our attention and excitement was focused on a man, appearing as any ordinary man would, who stepped down into the river to be baptized by John. This man, John said, would bring about the kingdom of God. He would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire for the salvation and judgment of the world. When he drew near, John tried to dissuade him, declaring that he needed to be baptized by this man. But the man gently insisted. He was determined, and he was not going to be deterred by John. He proclaimed that this baptism was going to fulfill all righteousness. It was there in the depths of his humility, standing in the place of sinners as the water of the Jordan flowed over his face, that Jesus took up his mission and ministry to redeem the world that would lead him right into the heart of the cross. And now, at the pinnacle of the mountain, that cross looms ever near. Peter, as the representative of the disciples, has finally confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day to rise again. Peter, however, tried to dissuade him, declaring that no such thing should ever happen. But Jesus pointedly insisted. He was determined and he was not going to be deterred by Peter. He proclaimed that some standing among them would not taste death until they had seen the Son of God coming in his kingdom. He then took Peter, James, and John up the mountain And it was there, in the heights of his exaltation, standing in the place of God, that his face shone like the sun, that Jesus revealed his glory, that enabled him to redeem the world by heading right into the heart of the cross. And yet the revelation is not over, because the disciples still do not understand. Take a moment to soak in the majesty Because it won't last long. Jesus shining in glory. Moses and Elijah appearing there and talking with him. Think about that. Who are the only two figures in the whole Old Testament who ascended mountains to speak with the Lord God of Israel? Moses and Elijah. And now here they stand atop the mountain, speaking to Jesus who alone is shining. Who else could this man be but God himself? Our Emmanuel, the Word of God incarnate, who would not fear and be silent? Well, apparently not Peter. Peter interrupts this whole scene and says to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. 
If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Poor Peter. In opening his mouth, he reveals his own ignorance on two fronts. First, he attributes the same importance to all three figures standing before him, to Jesus, to Moses, and to Elijah. He still doesn't fully understand what it means for Jesus to be the Son of God. And second, he forgets all about Jesus' declared mission that will take him through the valley of death to the cross at Golgotha. Instead, Peter desires to remain here, atop the mountain of glory. But just as quickly as Peter interrupts, he himself is interrupted with a fearful twofold revelation. While Peter is still speaking, a shining cloud engulfs them in a way that is reminiscent of the divine presence atop the mountain with Moses and when he took up residence in the tabernacle. Then a voice spoke from the cloud, the voice of God the Father, who speaks precisely as he has done at Jesus' baptism. This one is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This one is the key to unlocking the kingdom of heaven, not Moses, not Elijah. God indeed revealed his will through his prophets, but he enacts his will through his Son. They wrote about him. It is this one, Jesus, who fulfills Israel's hopes and promises and brings about the reign of God here on earth. God silences Peter, who has been speaking what he should not, giving voice to his own inadequate perspective. To Peter and to all the disciples after him, the Father's voice adds the command, Listen to him. And while it is true that the disciples of Christ should attend to every word of him, there is one word above all others that we need to heed. Otherwise, the rest of Scripture and all his words, including from Moses and Elijah, will remain a mystery to us, and the gates of heaven will be shut. The word which we are to heed and listen to has to do with this new revelation that Jesus is now beginning to show his disciples about the way of the cross for himself and for them. Without this understanding of Jesus' person and work, there can be no true understanding of Jesus. Without this understanding of life and discipleship, there can be no true discipleship at all. When Jesus first began to show the necessity of the cross, Peter refused to receive this truth, and Jesus had to emphatically teach his disciples that he, God's Christ and God's Son, must suffer and die and rise again on the third day. Yes, the glory and the power are coming, and now in the transfiguration, the three have experienced a foretaste of that glory and power. Yet if they, if we, refuse to reckon with the cross, the glory and power of Christ will elude us forever. 
Cross and glory are not mutually exclusive, but they are the divinely ordained sequence of salvation, both for the one who accomplishes it and for those who receive him. We are to listen and to believe and to accept that necessary sequence of cross before resurrection, both for the Son and for ourselves. The transfiguration proclaims the true identity and glory of Jesus so as to strengthen and support Jesus' difficult teaching about the cross. This glorious Jesus is the one who has begun to teach about God's unexpected way of salvation. His teaching is true, and the Father's voice emphatically commands Jesus' disciples, both then and now, to listen to him. One day, this glorious one will return in glory and bring glory with him, and the judgment will be given. But until then, listen to him. This interruption by God gives fear to the disciples as they fall on their faces. Now they are ready to listen. In mercy, however, Jesus approaches them and touches them and speaks to them a restoring word. Get up and stop being afraid. This, after all, is the reason that Jesus comes in his glory. The grace of Jesus is seen. Moses and Elijah are gone. There are no longer any visible splendor about them. The revelation has come and gone, and although the vision fades, its truth will not pass away. Jesus is the Son of God, filled with majestic splendor and glory. And he has a strange and terrible work to do to save his people, even the world, from their sin. He will persist in this lowly road, despite John's attempts to hinder him and the efforts of the disciples to turn him aside. As the disciples go down the mountain with Jesus, he commands them to tell no one. As their master determinedly continues on toward death, he will continue to show them the road that he must take and on which they must follow. There will be no more glory until later. The next time someone speaks those words of comfort, it will be the angel first, and then the risen Jesus himself who says to the women, Stop being afraid. For now, the disciples are to listen to Jesus himself alone. From valley to peak, the story of who Christ is and what he has come to do has been revealed to us. And as we head back down the mountain and travel with Jesus into the season of Lent, may we also prepare ourselves as we are encouraged to walk the cruciform path, following after Jesus. He is the Son of God, and he will perform the saving deeds his Father has given him to do. He can and will sustain his disciples as they deny themselves, take up their cross, and continue to follow him. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
Guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus, our crucified and risen Lord. Amen.